Ah, this week's episode, Lee Griffin talks about his clam. That's one big deficiency of the J3, that clamshell door. There's nothing yeah, you're not sealing that up. for cold air. No, not unless you take that foil tape and tape it up from the inside, which my grandpa used to do when he was going on long flights. That's what he used to do. Scott Boris once again gives impeccable advice. Go ahead, Scott. If you go to a fly-in and you find a drinking tent, you that the knowledge that you will learn in that tent is probably some of the most important stuff you could ever learn in flying. Yeah, pales in comparison to the Farming Podcast, though. Well, of course. Well, I mean, we kind of we are we are the, we are the drinking tent. version of the drinking tent. Yes, we are the drinking <laughs> tent of fly, of uh, aviation podcasts. But but <laughs> so yes, if you if you're at an air show and you find a drinking tent. Go in there, spend some time in there, talk to the old guys. You'll learn all kinds of stuff. And I reiterate the strong respect that all three of us have on this program for the regulations. We at the Foreign Podcast are a beacon of following the regulations and advise you to um, always adhere to recommended power settings in your light sport aircraft. Oh yeah, all airplanes definitely. Yeah, definitely do that. We're not condoning condoning this. We're just raising a, a point. Welcome to the Farin Podcast. Today we are getting into a listener email that is long overdue. We uh, we're gonna record a cross country episode tonight. Uh, but Mr. Previous guest, Mr. Ryan Eckel, has abandoned us, so we're going to switch up the last two episodes and reverse them. Uh, if any of you out there want a cross-country flight planning episode, and you have an Instagram, be sure to give at Eckel R, E-C-K-E-L-R, that would be Ryan Eckel's Instagram handle, uh, slide, as he says, slide into those DMs and... Um, Give him a little bit of harassment for uh, ditching out and um, causing you, the fine listener, not to have the much-anticipated cross-country flight planning episode. But that's uh, no worries. We do have a great uh, conversation topic for tonight. It is um, Ward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Ward um, sent us this email a while ago. Um, we meant to get to it sooner. We just we haven't yet, so we're going to do it. Today, uh, email says, I like the podcast. It is almost as much fun figuring out when you all are way off as it is informative when you are spot on. I will write a five-star review for you next week. Now that we mentioned that, it just came to my head that WBOH, probably the same gentleman. Remember, we were, try- we were trying to figure out if that was Ohio when we read the review. Yeah, I would bet serious money um, that we it's just all, solved the grand all mystery. Together. All coming but, together now. Yeah. But doesn't wow. make sense is we're never way off. That's, yeah, that's I. I do want to. I do wonder when we're yeah. way off. Well, at least <laughs> I'm not way off. I. I don't. I can't speak for you guys, but I know. That. So I yeah. So I'm listening. I was talking to Rob. I was listening to our last episode. I'm like, man, some of the things I say, like when you're in the zone talking about it. It sounds perfectly right, and then I'm re- I'm like, you listen to why it like, did I say that that way? <laughs> That's why I don't like to listen but, to it because I listen to myself and I'm like, <laughs> like what an idiot! 
So I just don't listen to it. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 My well, last episode, you're referring to episode 47, by yeah, the way. That's right. Yeah. Not episode 47. The, yeah. Not last week's episode with Mr. Cochran. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. I try not to listen that, to it because any whenever, episode. Whenever I, I listen to it, like, off. I'm just listening to myself and I'm like begging myself to not keep talking. Like, it's like, stop. <laughs> just stop. Just stop. But I keep talking. So I just, it's better just if yeah. I don't listen to it. Think how so, I feel. I, I well, mean, at least you, know, you say intelligent things. You might talk too much, but at least the things that you say are intelligent. I talk too much, and the things yeah, I but, say are retarded. Sorry, but if you listen to it back and you're we're not like buzzed up, we're just normal. It's some of the things they say are stupid and probably partially wrong. Well, okay, but all of the things to be not fair, too much. I mean, to be, it, yeah, to be fair, all of the things I say are stupid. Anyway, well, that's, that's part of the deal for you, though. We figured out yeah. the mystery. What are you here for? I we guess. figured out the mystery of the five star uh, WBOH. Thank you. Um, let's continue with the email. I am a sport pilot wannabe. I will retire in December and was very interested in your last podcast on buying an airplane. Yes, this is email from an episode long ago. Uh, and this will be coming out, I believe, in December. So congratulations on the retirement. Yeah, congratulations. And uh, I was in the flying club in college, but never finished my private uh, 1980s. So I know what I'm getting into in the flying end of things. My speed and budget are probably in the Cub Champ Taylorcraft range. You all talk a fair amount about Cubs. And I was wondering if you hand prop them, and if so, how hard frightening is that, or how much is it to add an electrical system? Uh, Ward B from Southern Ohio. Thank you, Ward. And uh, this, I think, will get some conversation going. Cub Champ and Taylorcraft light sport aircraft. I would probably circle back. My first question would be, and I know you can't answer it real time, Ward, but sport pilot, what is the reasoning behind that? Is it the, the cost savings and getting the rating? Um, is it you know that that's kind of in your price budget anyway, so you might as well, you're going to save a little bit of money in the airplane. You're going to save a little bit of money getting the certificate. I'd, I'd just like to some, again, I know you can't answer for me right now, but I'd like to know why it's a sport pilot that you're that you're pursuing and not a, a, a recreational or a pri- – I'd skip over the recreational. Yeah, don't myself. get a recreational. But, well, yeah, but it does give you some more abilities. You can get into a 150. That's one of the first things he – one of the things he says. So uh, a 150 would still be – he'd be eligible to go fly that, and you'd probably have some of the um, – uh, what do I want to say? The, the, the lack of cost – in getting the certificate would be on par probably with the sport pilot certificate while still giving you more privileges and would get you into a 150 if that if the ongoing conversation we're about to have kind of turned you off to any of the hand propping or any of those types of airplanes because 150s you can get those 10 grand or more cheaper than a j3 and um i i don't know this about ward um based on this email conversation, but he says he is, he's retiring, which means he's retirement age. Most mm-hmm. of the individuals that I know who are pilots, retirement age, who get the sport are doing so because um, the sport has a lot more leniency as far as medicals, correct? Yeah, I, I just didn't want to really go down that road and 
start talking about somebody's medical stuff that I don't know anything about. Well, yeah, we don't know, but I'm, I'm yeah. saying that is that that is a lot of times that's the case. So, I mean, for whatever Under reason. basic med, though, I don't know that I'd really, Scott, I mean, Scott can weigh in, because I think you're a flat under basic yeah, med, I'm aren't you? Yeah, flat under basic med. No. So, I, and I know that you've uh, described it before. Do you know the difference, really, between, between basic med and uh, uh, third-class medical? Well, not necessarily that, pilot. but yeah, I guess how that would affect somebody, you know, retirement age with, you know, potentially some pre-existing conditions or something minor pre-existing well, conditions. I don't, I mean, I don't think there's much difference. Just, I mean, you might as well just go basic med. Versus what? A third class? Yeah, it's easier. I mean. Oh, okay. So what about going the other way? Like, like you can just go to your family doctor and like. I guess it depends on who your family doctor is, but mine's pretty laid back. So like he didn't really even, he didn't really even do it. I mean, he's just like, he just checked the boxes and said, yeah, you're good. You know, but I'm not, I'm not wrong. There is situation. I'm not saying Ward falls into this. We're just speculating as, as for different reasons why one might get a sport pilot certificate instead of a private, but there is reasons that the sport pilot would allow you to fly on a medical basis where um, basic med and the third class would prohibit one from flying medically or, yeah, or am I'm I completely sure. off base on this? I'm not sure how that the, the two are different, but no. Well, so yeah, I mean, so I mean the, the sport pilot and I, and I could be wrong here, which we're supposed to know everything, but as long as you have not been denied a medical, you're good. So if you, if you, if you know that you won't pass a physical, support pod is the way to go, right? That makes sense. Yeah. That is the situation. I think it's the same about. with basic med. If you've been denied a medical, I don't think you can apply for basic med if you've been denied a medical. And that makes sense to me. I'm not sure. But, so you, I'm not 100% sure yeah, on that, but I, I think. And that makes sense. Yeah. My understanding was that the basic med did away with a lot of the issues with the bottom line is we don't want people just that we don't know that have not really been vetted right. out there flying. Yeah. Yeah. Basic med is kind of a way to bring them back in underneath the umbrella of some safety and yeah. still go out and fly airplanes. And they can go fly a 150. They're yeah. not necessarily pigeonholed into well, the right. light sport category yeah, I mean, aircraft. makes sense because like, you can load a family of six into a minivan and drive them down the highway at 80 miles an hour you know, without a, a medical. So what's more dangerous, yeah. flying around in your 150 by yourself or, or or doing that you know it's just right right yeah, yeah. i don't know all the answers no i mean i, I think that yeah. we don't without more information from this guy but i mean that that's rob it's a, i mean it's a great point i i just feel like basic med has kind of done away with a lot of the if you should be out flying or reasonably basic med is probably a better solution it's kind of like and this is just my perception as a younger guy, the light sport where you, you have people out there in the ether out flying around and they're not even on the map medically. We don't know what kind of conditions they may have. That's why they're limited to certain speeds, certain weight, number of seats, horsepower limits, all these things. That's why there's those limits because there's a perception of how much damage they could do if they have some catastrophic heart failure or whatever the case may be. Yep. But we don't know what word situation is, so we we've opened that that conversation. Pure and I'm speculation. 
Yeah, and I'm saying basic med may be a better way to go. Maybe he hasn't thought of that. Maybe he has a reason he's sticking to light sport because he knows he's only going to be getting into a Cub, Champ, or Taylor Craft anyways. If you are listening to this, and you may fall in these categories, just food for thought, but let's continue based on just sport pilot. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Because that's that's what this email is, so we'll, we'll go from there. Um, do we have the rundown? Of on the what? The sport pilot is basically just small airplanes for the most part. I know. Mo- I know most of the. What's well, the, not the weight limit on that? Thirteen twenty. Gross one thousand three hundred. Gross pounds. weight is thirteen twenty. Yep. 13, yep. So your max max takeoff weight. Um, it's it could be max ramp weight, but for much such small airplanes, it's probably basically one and the same. I could be yeah. a little bit wrong by a few pounds, but. Yeah. You know, a lot of airplanes have a, a a weight they can be taxing out off the ramp. A little the difference between that maximum ramp weight and maximum takeoff weight is basically taxi fuel that you will burn by the time you or you are supposed to burn by the time you get to the runway. So it's normally you know in small airplanes it's it's not much difference. You know, six yeah. ten pounds. But you know, you get into a jet or something, you can have you know several hundred several hundred pounds of difference. So. And then they're limited to two seats, right? Yep. 180 horsepower maximum. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, Maximum speed of 120 knots or 138 miles an hour. Um, So is that the maximum speed you're allowed to fly, or that's the maximum speed that the aircraft is allowed to be capable of flying? Ah, uh, yes. That's so. Uh, that's something interesting. And so they've come up with some crazy ways, and they've called them aircraft limitations. You know, like the Carbon Cub is a good example. It's got 180 horsepower, but after five minutes or something like that, you're supposed to power pull the power back. And I don't know exactly how it's placarded, but they're calling it an aircraft limitation or an engine limitation. You have to pull the power back to 80 horsepower continuous, so that you're not busting uh, any of those. Uh, any of those limitations. So if it's a slippery airplane and you have the power, 180 horsepower is a lot. They had to find a way that you're not going to break, break the limitations. That's a lot. You got to think of like a, a 172 or a Piper Archer. That's 180 horsepower. Well, now you have an airplane that weighs half that. Yeah. I mean, the J three or a cub type airframe is a little draggy. Those carbon cubs are not that draggy by comparison to an old super cub. You know, everything's tight and gaps are tight and all that. They're pretty so slippery. Basically, no one in the history of that aircraft actually pulls it back to that power setting unless they're just like trying to conserve fuel or something. Yeah, I would think not. Or they're but, like on a check ride. Right. Yeah. 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 If you're trying to, yeah, trying to uh, dot the T's, cross the I's type thing. Um, and I said that that way on purpose. Um, if you're trying to do that, um, that would be the only time. I'm sure everybody else pretty much just flies it like a Lycoming. You know, O three sixty. I think they're an I O three forty. They're kind of like a, a pet project with um, uh, uh, engine manufacturer called um, um, Titan ECI. Um, and then I, I don't know if Cubcrafters like bought them or what kind of partnership they had, but that's a whole weird thing. But they've coded it. It's basically a Lycoming engine. So it's a very very proven bulletproof engine platform. They've done some things too. They I think they called a Stroker. You know, so it's got a longer stroke, putting out more power, and that's where they get some of the extra cubic inches. But a very reliable power plant, not putting out an insane amount of horsepower over like a stock Lycoming. So I'm sure people run them, 
you know, 2,500 RPM or 2,400 RPM. And instead of, you know, it's probably 2,100, I would think for like 80 horsepower, it's probably 2,100 RPM. Yeah. You know, when you get there. And I don't know what kind of speeds that yield you, but um, either way, you can probably bring that power back and be right on the limitations uh, for the sport pilot. Hmm. Easily. I didn't, I didn't know there was like placards and stuff to just kind of the honor system that you're keeping it within sport. Yeah, for, to say the least. Which, like I said, uh, I, I mean, I don't. I, I have a private, so it doesn't apply to me. But if I were a sport pilot, I could easily see myself just completely ignoring that if I'm up flying by myself. You mean forgetting? Completely forgot. Like forgetting about. Yeah, completely uh, forgot the limitation. Keeping that power setting down. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah I mean, who's who right. would ever who would ever possibly know? No one. No one. Right. No, your, your mechanic is it electronically monitored? Like, I don't the, how so. could they? I mean, engine speed. I mean, how would they? I don't, I don't know. know like, I I've, nobody's I've, monitoring that. I don't know how intricate the electronics are for the engine monitoring, but I know for like outboard motors on boats, and I assume most cars. I I know Ferrari and Mercedes that because I used to work for them, you can go in, the techs can go in, plug in the computer, and basically see the entire history of every minute that the engine was run, what RPM settings, um, how much brake was applied, where they shifted, maybe everything the newer, stored forever. Maybe the newer planes have that, but the older ones don't. There's no, no we're, talking, we're talking about all the light sports. Are yeah, old. yeah, most newer. Yeah. Well, well, I, no, I shouldn't say that because we're talking about J three. Yeah, but the carbon cub, where you have an and... engine limitation that you are in charge of. Yeah, but pulling that power no, back on your own. There's no, you're not plugging a computer in that's going to tell you what RPMs has been run at. No, 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 you're not. I don't know there's what no. you know, digital tack or what type of um, what type of recording capability there is. Yeah, you know, like so. Well, no, 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 not not that high tech. It's not going to be like Ferrari, Mercedes. But like, let's say, I mean, you're not filing IFR, but what if you were to go into a, um, a Garmin map where it tracks all of your like recent flights, like your last 50 flights or something. And you see like this ground speed, like, oh man, he's doing 160 a, knots across a, the ground. Tailwind. Well, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, you, I mean, you'd have to really bottom line. Yes. You'd have to really be digging, but could I go back to that day and be like, what were the winds aloft? Yeah. I could figure that out. But nobody's, like, oh, yeah. nobody's ever going to do that. That's why I said it's way deep in the weeds. No one would ever do it. That's why I'm sure nobody is following that. And it's, it's a limitation on the airplane. So that technically makes it against, I'm breaking a limitation on the airplane. If I go with an ATP and fly that airplane, and don't pull the power back, which is weird. It's an engine limitation. So I'd be breaking a limitation on the airplane, even though I have an ATP and I know that engine, I think that engine could take it because it's a bulletproof platform. Interesting things to think about. We at the Foreign Podcast are a beacon of following the regulations and advise you to um, always adhere to recommended power settings in your light sport aircraft. Oh yeah, all airplanes definitely. Yeah, definitely do that. We're not condoning the, condoning this. We're just raising a, a point. Yes. Um, so Cub Champ and Taylorcraft range. Those are all qual- obviously. I knew the J three Cub. We'll yeah. put a caveat on the Cub. We talk about some Super Cubs. Those do not fall under the light sport category. 
I believe the J5 doesn't even fall under the light sport category. I could be wrong about that one. I know the Super Cub doesn't. The PA18. Yeah. Yeah, PA11 would, you know, it says Super Cub-ish, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a little bit of a hybrid, a little bit faster. Um they're much more rare. They're only like made for a few years, a couple of years. 40, yeah, 47, 48, 49. Um that's when the Super Cub came out as well, 49. Uh, which, like, like you said, Rob, 100% accurate. Yeah, it's not eligible for light sport. Um, but that could that could be a middle ground. I know you didn't bring that up, but um, the J3 is when I think of a light sport cub, I think um, the J3 is the only thing that really comes to mind. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's the gross weight on a J5. 1400. The only J5 I ever flew was um, Banner, and they're so modified. Who knows? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know anybody that even has a J5. They're out there. You see them where, well, I, I suppose cool. Do you know what's the obvious difference? Like if you saw one on the ramp, would you it's, know they're it? fat? They look they're like fat. a fat J three. Yeah, see, like I'm a just, pregnant. I, like I don't think I imagine know a J three, a PA twelve, and a J five are the same airplane. Basically, yeah. I just very similar. I don't think I know anybody that has one. Um. No, not a J five. So the J like the earlier J fives are open cowl even and all that kind of stuff. You get into a J five C, I believe, yeah, J five C. That has a closed cowling and it's really really similar to a PA twelve super cruiser. So J five is a cruiser, a Cub cruiser, and a PA twelve is a super cruiser with a Lycoming O two thirty five. Has a big wide bench seat. That's why, like Rob was saying, it looks fat. It looks like a pregnant J three. Very spot on. Um, but yeah, it's got a two person, two people can sit next to each other in the back seat. So, but I, I'm sure that it's over because again, it's designed to hold three people, not yeah. two. So that yeah. would probably throw you out anyways, right there. Actually, the only cub I can think of is a J3 that is light sport. J3 in a, in a PA11, like I said, okay. for PA11 for sure, because it's got the same gross weight as a J3, 1220. Okay. The yeah. late model J3s are 1220. Gotcha. So, um, so, so yeah, between the Cub Champ t- Taylor Craft, I know my vote is. Yeah, what you do got you guys how think? many hours in a J3? Well, yeah, I mean, a fair amount. Logged, not that many, but. I would go with the the J3 for sure. It's just it's such a classic. Not that I got anything against Champs or Taylor Crafts. Yeah. Um, They're a lot cheaper those than a J3. But yeah, the yeah. J3s are ridiculous priced yeah. for what they are. Why is that? Just the name or, or is it that much better? Everybody loves that classic yellow tail dragger. Well, they want they want a, that in their hangar. I had Taylor Craft and painted yellow. I think you miss out on the now Taylor Craft in terms of an airplane that you are gonna go use, like you typically think about using an airplane, like to go somewhere. Taylor Craft is obviously the top of the list. You know, you're sipping four gallons an hour, doing a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, that's way different. So cheap though. So cheap, like fifteen grand. Right. Yeah, you can buy a nice Taylor Craft for fifteen grand. Right, right, and I mean, I, not I would, like not like super clean, but you can buy a, a pretty decent Taylor Graf for fifteen grand. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it just yeah, it depends on what you're what you're trying to do. But like, so the Taylor brothers, you know, were basically they designed the J three, then they got an issue or got some you know some falling out with uh, William Piper, 
they left to start their own company. So everything that was wrong with the J3, they're like, okay, screw you. We're just going to fix that on our airplane. And they turned out this airplane that was kind of J3-ish. You know, obviously you can see the design cues, but they cleaned up everything. Like everything that, so Piper, they were super cheap. That Everything about them was just assembly line, keep costs down. And we got a inferior product for all of that. So Taylorcraft. Why are people so obsessed with J3s and not Taylor Crafts? I see in this list, it's no brainer to me, J3. But why? Well, the personality to a J3 to me is more important than the performance aspect. I recognize its limitations. Um, And my point, you got to think about what you're going to use it for. And this, that's a whole thing that, that we probably should, you know, maybe somewhat address. Um, but me, I'm gonna not really going to use it for travel. I, I mean, I recognize its limitations. I would do a little bit here that's reasonable that will help it be a better traveler. But it's never going to be a cross-country machine like most people, you know, use airplanes for, kind of. Um, but I like that personality. He asked about hand propping. That's a huge one for me um, in, in terms of personality. I want a hand prop. I don't want a starter. I want minimal weight. When we only have 1,220 pounds, uh, you know, at least on the J3. I'm not an expert on the other ones. J3 has a max gross weight of 1,220. You go put a starter on there, that's 12 pounds or more. Uh, I mean, I don't know what an um, an A65, if you can even do that, or a C85 or a C90. I don't know what that starter weighs, but that's 15, 20 pounds. Scott, what do you think? What do you think that would be? Yeah. Like in your 0200 starter. The original starter? Uh, I assume that they wouldn't do that. That would be way too heavy. Oh, you mean like a one of the new lightweight starters? Yeah, like a yeah, one of the new Skytex or whatever they are. Yeah, they're probably seven, eight pounds. You know, and actually, now that I am actually describing what I want, I believe you're exactly right. I believe they are. It is either eight pounds or saves you eight pounds from the yeah, original. Back I would say it's, numbers. it's probably seven, eight pounds. It's probably both. It's probably seven or eight pounds, and it probably saves you seven or eight pounds. So the original number, depending on what starter you get, if you go with, you know, kind of bargain bin shopping and do an older starter, like or the pole cable, like on a, on the original 0200s, that's probably... Because you have the newer push button, right, Scott? Yep, yep. Yeah, so do we. Okay. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that that's a lot of weight to throw onto an airplane where you're only working with 1,220 pounds. The airplane weighs 600 pounds the way it sits. Now you're just throwing more weight on it. Yeah. That's one... I like the hand propping um, and what that adds personality wise. We can, I, we can go with that. Keep going from there. I'm comfortable with it. All the banner planes I had to hand prop and they were arguably higher compression, bigger motors than like a J3 is, which is the bigger motor, bigger, you know, higher compression. It's more difficult, more dangerous to hand prop. But I, I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I recommend that to somebody getting into flying in this day and age, unless you've got people around you who can really, really teach you how to safely do that and be comfortable with it. Cause that's a, it's like a, almost a dying art form. It is. Which I, I say is all the more reason to help keep it alive. Just don't be yeah. part of the statistics. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you're in a different boat. you, don't even think twice about that, Lee. Like, yeah, you, I, no, I mean, no, not really. That 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 is a selling point to me. 
Like if I let, let me put it the best way that I can, I go find my dream J3 Cub, C90 wing tanks, all all the stuff that I would want. Nothing that I don't except that starter. It's the first thing I'm doing. I'm yanking that starter off. I'm going from a dash 12 case on that C90 or C85 to a dash eight, which is basically no accessories except mags, the magnetos. So that's what I do. I yank with, it right off. They didn't come with magnetos no, they did. Yeah, the only accessory on a dash eight case, the only accessory is mags. Oh, okay. What yeah. are you talking about? Dash accessory eight case. So if you have dash eight and dash twelve on like the smaller continentals, and I don't know if it stops at the Yo two hundred or not, but uh, you have dash twelve, which is basically has uh, the cutout in the accessory housing in the back for a starter. Um, and the dash eight does not. Okay, and for the listener, the o, the Continental O two hundred, that's the standard motor on a Cessna one fifty. Yeah, and so that's really basically a a slightly bigger version of the A sixty five Continental C eight A seventy five, and then there's several variations. The most co- popular you're going to find C eighty five, C ninety, and a A sixty five. And the numbers, of course, to know how much horsepower. Back then, they went by horsepower, not cubic inch. Now we've moved away to cubic inch. So an O200 is a 200 cubic inch engine. And the older ones are similar. I think like an A65 is 170 cubic inches. Um, but that just was not how they they listed them back then. Um, yeah, A65, that's what I have most of the experience in a J3 behind, hand prop. Uh, if I bought one, my dream cub with a... With a, uh, a starter on it i'd take it off be one, the first thing i did and probably the only thing i'd do so scott you're mechanically inclined um probably the most mechanically inclined person out of the three of us for sure um you i know at this point i don't know if you have any experience hand propping or i know you have less than lee and i yeah pretty much how comfortable are you hand propping uh i mean i'll do it i'm not it doesn't it doesn't scare me. I just I haven't done it a lot. I don't know. I mean, it's not, I, I, I would put a starter on my plane just cause I don't, I'm not worried about the weight to me. It's just easier. It's more convenient. I can sit in the plane, hit the starter button and go, but hand propping is not, I mean, it's not that big a deal. As long as you, if you know what you're doing and you know, your airplane hand propping is pretty easy. If you know yeah. what it takes to start it, like I hand propped a plane out here for somebody the other day and they said, you know, prime it twice, whatever, put the throttle at this setting and it's going to fire right up. And I did that and it fired right up, which is not a big deal. But if you don't know your airplane or you don't, you know, depending on the temperature, maybe it's cold out. It doesn't start that easier. Maybe it's when it's warm, it starts differently, you know, just different you know it it takes more energy it's more effort yeah and it's more more thinking behind it like you you raised the perfect point if you know if you're a fair weather flying you're doing most you're flying in the summer and then you show up in that cooler fall day and think it'd be fun go hand you know go fly your airplane and you're like oh crap i don't know how many shots of prime that's going to take and then how many blades i'm gonna have to turn this and then it then it's a guessing game and then a frustration game you're getting a little fatigued which means then your form and there is a little bit of a form i suppose 
uh, maybe gets a little loose and you lose your footing. Who knows right. what could happen? So you raise a perfect point. Knowing the airplane that you're hand propping is probably the biggest safety consideration. Right. If you know, uh, I mean, you, you, you might know it's going to start. Or you might know it needs a couple props to get it started, but. Yeah, a couple is one thing. Like I know our J3. I know, like if it's above fifty, two shots of prime, two blades, it is, it's going, done. Yeah, I know that. That is, you know, as sure as tomorrow's sunrise. But that, if I were to go out there on a twenty degree day, or if I were to go, you know, to a fly in, uh, you know, on a cooler day, and it get, kind of gets all the way cold soaked, and it's down in the thirties or something like that. That's a different story. And then I have to use what I know on a 50 degree day. And, and I've been starting airplanes a lot, so I, that, that wouldn't be a problem. But if you're just fair weather, it's going to take some thought like, okay, normally I need this. So I'm going to, you know, kind of Kentucky windage and figure out, okay, I need one more shot of prime and whatever. And I need to be ready for it to not start or, you know, whatever. And think through kind of the ramifications of your choices. Knowing your airplane, hundred percent, Scott. Yeah. For me, the extra weight of the starter, the seven eight pounds that that lightweight starter is going to add is just, it's it's worth it. But if you if you have an airplane that doesn't have a starter, it, once you get to know that airplane, hand propping it is not that big a deal. I know, as long as you're not like an idiot about right. it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have plenty of old guys out here that hand prop their airplanes and it's not a big deal to them, you know, no. and they're, but, when did they learn how to do it though? Well, I mean, they, they grew up before electric starters even existed. So <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yeah. So like, would but, you, yeah, I mean, it's like, would you be Scott, would you be comfortable like your dad starting flying, like him just learning how to, Oh hand no, his yeah, age? no. roughly retirement age. No. Yeah. No, he wouldn't want to do that. You just get a starter just get a plane with a starter in it. I wouldn't what? recommend that no. to like, nope. a retirement. Yeah, if my dad was like, start, I want to get into you know flying, I mean? and he bought a J3 or something, I'd be like, okay, you need to get an electric starter for that thing. That's probably going to hurt yourself. But. Well, on the other hand, Lee's dad, I've seen walk up to like a high-compression airplane. Well, yeah, well, that's different, though. Your dad will start anything. But I never thought about it. You guys are putting it in. I was just going to say you took the words out of my mouth, Rob, yeah. Because yeah. your dad's been doing his entire life. So, yeah, he's older, but I've seen your dad, Lee, walk up to, like, the guy's battery was dead. I'm like, I forget what it was. It was like some six-cylinder supercharged thing. French plane. And he whipped it. Yeah, he hand-propped it with one arm and just walks away. Didn't even look back. Just, just hit it once with one arm, started it, and just walked. Like, what, what was that Didn't French even phase him as he was walking Tobago. by. Tobago, that's what it was, Yeah. It was one of the funniest things I've ever right. seen. Like, well, you and your dad's like, what, like five foot two? <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. Five, yeah. Five, two, five, four, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But he knows what he's doing. So it's different. He's done it forever. Like you're talking yeah. about somebody new uh, getting into it. I just, I wouldn't recommend it if you don't have to. <laughs> I, okay. I a hundred percent hear you. I'm, I'm, I hadn't seen it through my lens because as soon as you were talking about like your dad and I was like, well, I would let my dad go do it. Well, and I'm like, well, duh, of course I would yeah. shit. But hundred percent, I'm a hundred percent. I'm getting kind of in the groove, you know, the direction you guys are talking about. I just wonder like, that's the idealist in me about these sorts of things. If you want, 
if you want to, there is a way that it can be done safely. Obviously, yeah. yeah. And it, it, there, it, if it's what you want to do, there are obviously more benefits to probably, like Scott and Rob are saying, to probably just throw a starter on it. Yeah, hundred percent. When you and most of them will come. A lot of them will come with that. When you start, but when you start at J three, do you start it from the front or do you start it from behind? I started from behind when I'm by myself. Obviously, I've done it, you know, for other people, you know, a lot. Yeah. Obviously, from the front, but and that's a whole uh, other thing. You, that is a, that's kind of an. Go ahead. When you were starting uh, those uh, banner towing super cubs, were you starting from behind or from the front? I would say ninety percent of my hand props were from behind the prop, yeah. Yeah. so I can get immediately on the throttles that's and what, hop uh, into the cockpit if I need to. That's what these guys um, do. There were situations here. where, yeah, there were situations where somebody was in the plane, um, or there was multiple people in the plane, so I was not getting into the plane. Um, I was starting it for other people, yeah. and I, in a few of those instances, maybe a dozen times, I did it from the front. Yeah, so I was I was walking back from my parents' house a few months ago, uh, which we live on an airport. So I was walking from their house to my house across the airport. And there was a guy who's used to fly a lot, but he's, he's too old to fly now really. And he was showing his, he was trying to sell his J3. He's Hey, come start. The, he was showing it to a customer, you know, that was looking to buy it. Hey, come start this thing. Cause he couldn't do it, you know, and there he didn't want them to do it either. So, but yeah, he, right, uh, right. he just, he told me what to do. He said, prime, you know, he's sitting in a chair off to the side because he has trouble walking even, you know, it's just prime it twice and give it this much throttle and, uh, make sure that, you know, put the chocks in front of the wheels and stand from behind and pull it and it'll fire right up. And I pulled it once and it started right up and ran perfect. You know, the thing had been sitting in the hangar for a year. <laughs> First pull yeah. started right up. But because he told yeah. me exactly what to do, you know, but if he, if he just walked up to that and said, Hey, start it. Yeah, be like, yeah, you would not like, have started yeah, that first pull. If he pull. wasn't there and was like, Hey, call me on the phone. Hey, pull that thing out and start it. I'd be like, uh, I don't know how to start, you know, probably take you 20 minutes right. of messing with yeah, it. Yeah. But, and there, the bottom line, there is, there is technique. Every airplane is different. Um, be conscientious if it's not going well. Be conscientious of the fact that you're getting fatigued and your form gets worse as you get fatigued. Don't get mad and keep trying it because that's how a lot of statistics happen. Um, if you're not being able to keep your form perfect uh, and non-fatigued, just kind of walk away, give yourself a break. Um, and then when you're learning how to do it, just learn from someone who knows what they're doing. I, I don't think this is something you should uh, try to learn on your own. Um, it can end very badly. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a process. It's a process that you should want to do. If you are not interested in just embracing and learning that process for that process sake, uh, you should probably just get a starter. Like it's, it's 2020. It's almost 2021 as of this recording. Um, yes, it is. A, it is a nice art. If you if you're interested in it and you have an airplane that 
requires hand propping and you have somebody who is willing to really work with you and teach you how to do it properly, great. Go for it. If you don't have yeah. all those three things, don't mess around with it would be my advice. Yeah. And and that's, that's, that's just, you know, going off that, it may even be hard for you to find somebody that's actually in an instructor capacity that would want to be, you know, if you go buy an airplane that has no starter, it may be tough for you to get somebody to sign on to, to mess around with all that and teaching you that. I mean, it's not that well. Okay. I don't want to say that, but it's not that big of a deal. This is not, it's not really brain surgery. Yes. There are obviously very bad things that could happen, but it's not the end of the world. If you use some common sense, safety precautions, but finding somebody that is willing to kind of, you know, bite this off and, and go with you down this road might be tough in and of itself. I'm not sure, but there may be somebody you really trust, you know, around, you know, again, we, I, I always talk about kind of having that mentor to, to kind of help you. And maybe, maybe that's uh, one of the first places to start is find that mentor that that's comfortable with uh, hand propping. But we would say, what would we say? 90% of the pe- 95% of the people should just get a starter or plan to have a starter. Yeah. But like I said, all these planes, if I'm not wrong, those are all tailwheel airplanes, right? Yeah. If you're finding an instructor who's comfortable teaching you in tailwheel, that in itself is kind of a feat. I would say yeah. out of out of tailwheel instructors, it's probably a higher percentage of tailwheel instructors who are comfortable with hand propping. Like, because that's already that's already a rare breed to find an instru- a competent instructor that's that can teach in tailwheel. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd go with that too. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're finding a unicorn, huh? Yeah. So, so if they want to hand prop and be a tailwheel pilot, it's a unicorn. But I don't know. I don't know how much I would say it's a mutually exclusive thing. I under. I your point is totally valid. Yeah. Think of all the Satabrias out there, and stuff. that's that's where my mind goes. You know, Satabria and Super Decathlon and stuff like that. I don't think J three primary instruction. There's too many people out there doing J three with no starter. Now, you went to Jack Brown, didn't you, for your seaplane stuff? I did. Those are all hand prop, correct? Or, uh, or any of them hand prop? Do you remember? Um, I believe they were all hand prop. Yeah, I never hand prop okay. those. The instructor always did it. Okay. And then even okay. um, John Brown for the check ride, he he hand propped it. So I never actually hand prop those airplanes. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah. So yeah, that. So yeah, there you go. So the instructors are out there. There doesn't matter whether it's on floats or not. It can it can be done. So yeah, whether they let you do it, I guess, is another story in that case. Yeah, there was a gentleman. I met him at the um, we're at the drinking tent. Yeah, at the uh, Sun and Fun, <laughs> the drinking tent. <laughs> well, this is you learn a lot in the drinking was, tent. That's probably this is. Pro- this if you go to a fly-in in 2017, go ahead, Scott. If you go to a fly-in and you find a drinking tent, you that the knowledge that you will learn in that tent is probably some of the most important stuff you could ever learn in flying. Yeah, pales in comparison to the farming podcast, though. Well, of course. Well, I mean, we kind of we are, the, we are the drinking tent. version of the drinking tent. Yes, we are the drinking <laughs> tent of fly, of uh, aviation podcasts. <laughs> But but so, yes, if you if you're at an air show and you find a drinking tent, go in there, spend some time in there, talk to the old guys, you'll learn all kinds of stuff. That is that is f- accurate information, Mr. Boris. But I was there 2017 or 2018, and there was this drinking tent that was off to the side, and like 
you weren't allowed to, they weren't allowed to sell you the beer, but you do like donations and they were raising money for something. It was like volunteer bartenders. So it was like, I don't know. It was the, all the beer was donated. Everyone's just getting plowed. And there was a gentleman there. This, I, I don't know if he was getting plowed or not. I was, I was at a level where I wasn't noticing other people's level of inebriation anymore. But he had, there was an AOPA, I think it was an AOPA or an EAA photo of um, a guy flying his cub with like a grandkid or two in the back with a dog. That's like a classic photo. Anyway, I don't know. Huh? if I showed you the photo, I can't post. I don't have the rights to it, so I can't even post it in the show notes. Uh, maybe I'll put a link to it if I can find it to like some other site where it's at. But it, it was this guy, okay, um, who and everybody was recognizing him, and he ha- he was fa- handing out uh, copies of this photo because everyone knew the photo, and he's like, "Oh my god, I remember that thing. You're the guy. Oh, that's awesome." And uh, he's talking about how the FA was giving him gripe about how yeah i think he had two kids in the back like and you're not supposed to have two passengers and stuff it was his grandkids and then like a dog on top of that like in the yeah. baggage compartment or something uh-huh. and then um but anyway why i brought this up is he was saying that he trains people in the cub like as privates and will actually solo them in the cub and when he does tailwheel endorsements he actually will solo the student for the tailwheel endorsement which that is i never knew that is actually pretty rare nowadays even when you're going to get a tailwheel endorsement for like you'll go through the instruction and then once the instructor feels comfortable this is what happened to me um i didn't ask to solo i probably could have gotten him to do it but i didn't ask and i just i never soloed and i got the tailwheel rating i never soloed it right so that's something to keep in mind too. If you're getting a tailwheel rating, will the instructor actually allow you to solo? Ask that question. I'm not saying it's going to be a bad instructor if they don't, because almost nobody will allow you, from what I understand, to actually solo the aircraft's um, yeah. tailwheel. Yeah. But if you find one that does, that's a really good situation. Yeah, it's a really good situation. And then the insurance, the insurance will be another factor for it, tailwheel. Yeah, it could it's be an very insurance expensive. thing too. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's three times, even though it's less hull value per se than than you know something comparable. But it, I mean, I can't remember, and I'm not going to pull up the spreadsheet now. But I think when I was like running numbers, I think the numbers I have in one of my spreadsheets, the cost to insure a J three for like thirty five grand is the same as insuring an Archer with four seats. You know, that's worth eighty grand. Yeah. So. There's just so, so much a higher a higher rate of incidents in you know in a tail wheel you know because you're going to go fly a day that would be a no brainer to go fly an Archer or 172 is a pretty big feat in in a J3 perhaps so th- there's a much higher likelihood of maybe some uh, off runway excursions and and uh, ground loops where you drag uh, you know a wingtip all kinds of stuff we've talked about ground loops before I think but oh uh, yeah so insurance will be a consideration in the tail wheel. I'm definitely not trying to talk you out of it at all. I didn't mean to go doom and gloom on you. It's going to be a dark winter, but it's uh, it's it's just something to think about um, in a consideration. I fully uh, support you wanting to go tailwheel. Yeah, tailwheel is going to make you a incredible pilot. Yes. Um, but keep in mind that the it, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be more challenging if you're looking for an instructor. Just 
we, we don't know. Maybe this gentleman has contacts and it's, it's just a no brainer yeah. and it's not an issue at all. Yeah. Uh, yep. if, that, if that's so great. Um, but if, if you haven't started that instructor search yet, it is harder to find a tailwheel instructor in today's age um, than our conventional tricycle gear. I don't even, I wouldn't even want to go do it. Yeah. I'm very comfortable in J3s and Super Cubs. I don't know that I'd want to go do it. To take to take somebody start to finish. Now he said uh, he was in a uh, flight club in college, mm-hmm. and he never quite got his. He didn't get his private, or I don't know if he said it was private or he hadn't soloed or whatever. Never finished my private. Okay, so I don't know where we don't know where he got to, but he never did finish it. I get that much, and possibly that could have been a tailwheel. We don't know. That's very possible. But when There's I so many of, questions, so many questions, Ward. Um, Four hundred questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, like, I don't know to start to finish. It would have to be an, an important person in my life, like one of my kids that I was teaching to fly, where I can take them from the ground up and, and teach them all the minutia or something like that to commercially take somebody in off the street and all we have are J3 Cubs or something. Or a student came to me, I hey, I bought this J3 Cub on eBay. It's in great shape, and it is. We go check it out, and or the mechanic signs it off. It looks great, structurally sound. It would be very tough. First off, some of the limitations you have to do now with for the private pilot certificate, if that's the route we were going. Uh, I know we're talking about light sport, but if somebody were to come in uh, and do like a normal private pilot or a recreational, you need nighttime anyways. So all these light sports are pretty much out. Uh, you know, at least these three, the Cub, the Champ, and the Taylor Craft. Likely they're all out unless they have an aftermarket electrical system. But it'd be tough, you know. Think of the it's prohibitive wind-wise. Almost anywhere in the country, you know, if you have a you're gonna have a 15 knot crosswind, those are days I wouldn't right now go be comfortable fluff, you know, really flying with them. It's a liability pretty much every time. And again, I'm not trying to talk you out of a tailwheel. It sounds like okay, well, really. Really, you shouldn't fly if there's more than like a five knot crosswind. <laughs> that's Scott Boris's general rule of thumb. Yeah, and that's only if you're going to buy an airplane to begin. Actually, with. just don't fly if yes. there's a crosswind. Yeah, <laughs> I thought your recommendation was don't ever buy an airplane. Well, that's true too. That's, I mean, unless you plan on taking it, <laughs> but apart. that's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, unless from the unless you're going to take it apart. Airplanes unless you're going to, yeah. Well, I mean, I've bought. I think I'm on like seven now, but unless you got to take it apart, sell the pieces of it. I've only bought one that I actually flew. <laughs> That's one. So, um, yes. so can we move champ. on to a champ? Can we talk about a champ? Yes. Anybody have any thoughts on a champ? We kind of touched on a Taylor craft. Yeah, I mean, what's, can we talk? What's the uh, advantages and disadvantages of a champ? The way I see it, it has by far the most a uh, spacious cabin. If you're going to go spend time, um, it, it's the best place to be. If you're going to go, go, if you're going to go somewhere, um, the champ has the most elbow room. There's definitely a ton of space. So if you have a little bit, you know, if you're a little bit bigger, a guy or gal, uh, champ is a great move. Very spacious, kind of meets, you know, 21st century American sizes. The J3 and the Taylor Craft, I mean, you got to be really friendly with the person that you're with in a Taylor Craft, and it's cramped in a J3. And even though it's tandem, which means front and back, uh, 
and, and it's, there's not a lot of room. I'm, I'm five foot six. So I fit, I'm like genetically engineered to fit in Cubs, but, um, it, there's not a lot of room. So that's a consideration where the champ is far and away that the, the better, uh, the better move. Um, they're faster. They're kind of in a sweet spot. Um, not in a sweet spot, but they're in between these two. You can get a solid 85 miles an hour, 80, 90 miles an hour out of a champ um, on the same horsepower as the J3. So the J3, you know, you're happy to get 75 miles an hour. Uh, you can go cl- cruise prop and do a higher horsepower. If we're talking A65 stock J3, you're going to get 75 miles an hour, basically. You're going to get 85 to 90 miles an hour out of a champ. So you're getting speed, you're getting more heat. Because it's got a pressure cowl. J3 is open cowl. So you're getting almost no heat in the winter. There's things you can do. Uh, the best thing you can do is wear Carhartts um, <laughs> and, hand, and hand warmers. That's about it. Um, it can it be done. Yes, yeah, keep flying. It's a blast. Do all that. I, I urge you to do it. Um, and you'll have, you won't even realize how cold you are until you get out. Um, the champ will solve a lot of that. Um, and the probably the the final one is that you solo the champ from the front. So in terms of some of the personality that is very important to me, almost paramount to me, the tandem aspect is kind of that quintessential tail dragger to me. Um, The J3, you're supposed to solo them from the back. Weight and balance plays a factor. So if your weight and balance on your particular airplane allows you to fall within a certain center of gravity range, you can solo it from the front. That's in type certificate data sheet. That's another story. Can it be done legally? Yes. Can I do it in ours? I can legally. You know, I don't weigh that much. So I can legally sit in the front seat of ours and solo it from the front. Uh, my grandpa was able to do it all the time. You know, back when these airplanes were new, he did it all soloed from the front all the time because he's a light, he was lighter than me. Um, but the champ out of the gate, solo it from the front. So you have a good visibility uh, from the front seat. Uh, spacious, uh, it's faster, uh, and you have heat in the winter. Um, so I, I think there's a great case could be made for a champ. And price is cheaper than a J3. Way cheaper. You're oh. Way cheaper. I don't yeah. know you're getting TaylorCraft. No, TaylorCrafts are, are the cheapest, but champs are, you get a nice champ for 15, 20 grand as we're. Yeah, yeah I'd say 20. Is yeah, you're. probably 20. For, well, depends on how nice, but. You get yeah. a, you get a decent. And there's a lot more champs to choose from, though. Too, yeah, you get Taylor you can get a decent champ for fifteen grand. You're not going to get a nice one for fifteen grand, but right, you can get a a flyable one that is functioning for fifteen grand. But a, a cub, you're not touching anything for fifteen grand. No wings. You'll get a set of wings. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, cub, you're looking at thirty five grand. Yeah. Now the prices have come down. I think, and again, because of the basic med. There was this light sport bubble, and I'm not an expert. I'm just going by what kind of what I see. There's this light sport bubble, and then basic med kind of came along and basically gave you most of the benefits of the sport pilot certificate. Now there's where you can go fly something that weighs 1,600 pounds, 1,800 pounds, 2,000 pounds, whatever. Um, And I don't remember what the limitations are, but you can get into a heavier airplane. You're not limited to the light sport category aircraft. Um, And so I think that bubble kind of popped. And so I think you saw some of the values inflated in J3s. Yeah, I saw $45,000 J3s often. You know, and now we're back down to 28, 30, 35. 
And champs, you know, champs may have gone up a little bit. I've never really looked at them that much to buy, but I bet you could get damn near an Oshkosh award winner for 30. Yeah. Champ. I'm not, yeah. I, I'm not consider taking price into consideration. I'm just comparing the three airplanes for me personally. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. I personally, um, I've never flown a Taylor craft, but I've never just, I've never, I don't know why I've just never been a interested in them. Um, the champ, I've never flown a champ, but I did uh, flown in a Satabria, um, which is similar. It's what would you say the differences are? Well, spring steel main gear, which is probably one of the bigger things in terms of like, like, yeah, I mean, the fuselage and stuff, you're, I mean, yeah, very similar. I'm sure handling, I've only flown champ a little bit, and that was a really dumb story. Somebody just said, Hey. Uh, my kids think about learning to go fly. They flew in in a champ. And I'm like, I don't know if I really want to go do it. He goes, yeah, go fly it. I'm like, okay. His kid in the back. Never flown one before. Ever. Wow. Go. He, his kid's in the back. Yeah, I mean, his kid's like 14. N- not flying at all. Had, I go jump in. How much tailwheel time had you had, though? I probably had it. I don't know, maybe 100 hours or so, so it wasn't by then. like that big Le- of a deal for you. I mean, now I would never do that. No. I would never do that right now. This gentleman didn't know it maybe at the time, but Scott and I know it. You are like the master in just jumping in a random airplane you have never even sat in and getting oh. it around the pattern semi-safely. He's- Rob, so Rob, he's 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 not the master because we all know who that well, is. No, but no, he's. No, I don't. He can I don't, be. A, I don't. He can be number two, but to no, others, yeah, I don't yeah, want to compare him to others falsely. I'm just talking in general compared I mean, to. He'll always be number two, but compared to the gods <laughs> of Northern Ohio aviation, Lee is nothing. But compared yeah, to mere yeah. mortals, well, yeah, somewhere like in to, between. Compared to us, he can jump in whatever and fly it. Saying, like, I actually got a book on Greek mythology. I'm trying to read to get more nicknames for people. Good. It's, it's more it's more complicated than I thought because I'll oh. be reading it like, oh, this person needs to be this person. I'll continue reading more about it. Right. And it's like, oh no 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 no. I'm glad I didn't settle <laughs> that because this name's way better. And like, I I have like, no idea. We're, did, we'll put did, that out in 2021. Did yeah. Did Zeus have like a like a little brother or no? I'm not sure. I don't know. So if he I, did, I like know. that could be. Lee's I don't know. Name. I'm not that far in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We'll need a cheat sheet once Rob's so, done with his book. Personally, um, uh, the champ, the practicalness, everything Lee listed perfectly. The champ makes a lot more sense for practicality, and price wise is great. Yeah. Um, if I was going to fly regularly and own an airplane, I would choose the champ over the J three. Um, but for like, I don't know, there's just, there's something about that J3, the, the looks of the J3, the, the lineage, there's yeah. all that. That's yeah. why there's more money. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is it, it's all about the looks. Uh, but as far as comfort and stuff that the champ is, is way more comfortable than the J3 for yeah. all the reasons you, you listed. So, but one thing that I, I come back to is. I'm going to spend more time looking at the airplane than I will flying it. Let's like, let's be honest. 
you know, tinkering in the hangar. And that's a lot of guys. Are, I, I'm like, I would never go build an airplane. I love the idea or the, like the concept of it and making it exactly what I want. I would never do that. I want to go fly the airplane, not so much talk about it. I mean, I, yeah, I enjoy like maybe the daydreaming, like, Hey, I'm going to make this exactly the way I want. But when push comes to shove and I'm pounding rivets or I'm skinning a wing with, with fabric or whatever, that is not really what, it, yeah, I'd like to learn how to do it, but I don't want to do a whole airplane. I want to go fly it. What if you have a big, a big hangar and you got a couple airplanes that are perfectly flyable and then in the corner you've got a build a plane that whenever the weather's crap and you got nothing to do you just peck away at it with no rush i don't no i don't think that i would want to do that that there's something it would be it's a you know a story I, for another time maybe but it just doesn't really entice me to i rather no. i don't have the money but i would rather write the check to somebody to have it yeah done i don't right the i don't have the patience to I build the frustration. a plane i don't have the patience to do it i know i don't <laughs> just, and I would think you'd be the most likely you could actually go do yeah, it. Yeah, I mean I like I like working on things. I'm mechanically inclined. I just I just don't have the patience for that type of work. That is a huge endeavor. And it's so huge particular. Like I can put together a four wheeler because if something goes wrong and it breaks down, whatever. Who cares? But a plane is entirely different. Yeah. It's too stressful, you know. Yeah. So back to the the trio here. The my summary would be for the looks and the nostalgia and that cool factor. It's the J three, but at the end of the day, the like practicality and comfort of actually running the plane, uh, and then the cost. It's it's the champ uh, in my book. And I and I agree with you. I, I yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm getting it. just the, all I was trying to say was that I know you know I'm going to spend time going to the hangar to to tinker, to clean on it or whatever, do paper, who knows, whatever you do to hang grilling out, you know, I'll have a couple beers and grill out on the Weber out in the middle of the, the, the taxiway, you know, and it's a nice summer evening, whatever. But you're going to spend a lot of time looking at it. And what I would say is a huge, this would be a double weighted column in my decision-making process. When I open that hangar door, flip the lights on, what I see has to make me smile. A Taylor Craft doesn't do that. A Champ, it definitely. I do not like the way Champs look. I I totally get all of their benefits. It's not worth the cost to me in terms of the aesthetic trade-off. And I don't mean that you know they, they have they they have decent lines, whatever. It's just not what I want to see when I turn on those lights in that hangar. Um. And, and that's, I think, what I'm paying for. I'm getting that personality, that hand prop. I can hand prop from behind, like you said, Rob. I love that. You're doing that one swipe. You're right there up against that wing strut so that if it does start to roll a little bit, if you when you crack the throttle, you did a little too much, um, it, it's not going to get rolling. If it doesn't start rolling, it's not going to roll you over. You get as soon, you'll know as soon as that blade's coming through, you're going to know uh, it's going to start and you're going to be against that uh, strut to stop it from rolling. If it doesn't start, it's not gonna. And your hands on that throttle inside the door. The door is right there. It's that clamshell door that you can go fly with it closed in the winter, fly with it open, best air conditioning in the business. Um, all those things that all that personality rolled into the J3 and having that iconic look, I think is well worth the cost uh, monetarily and well worth some of the detriments uh, or deficiencies that it has over these other two airplanes. Yeah, 75 miles an hour. You only got 12 gallons of fuel. You're going to go 150 miles, 125 miles before you have to stop for gas. You have three hours of fuel at 75 miles an hour. 
It's really bad. Yeah. So if you have any, you know, if you have any desire to really go anywhere, it makes it really, really tough on a stock J3. I can make much better cases for buying the other two than a J3. My my decision would always still be back to J3. And I have some, I've not, I don't, I've never flown a Taylorcraft by myself. I've been in them plenty. I have flown a champ by myself and I've been in them plenty when I wasn't flying. Uh, obviously most of all, almost all my tailwheel times in a J3 or a super cub type thing. That's uh, I don't need to move beyond that. I accept all the limitations and I still, still pick that. Mr. Boris, if you had to pick out of the three, what would you be your pick? Taylor craft. Cheaper. Just dollars and cents yep, for him. Huh? Just cheap. I see them for sale all the time. They're cheap by that all that matters and when you're going somewhere they're the cheapest to run they're right. going to get you there in the least amount of gas right 25 miles an hour faster than a j3 yep, yep. j3 doesn't make any sense other than it's cool <laughs> but which scott does not care for no. any weight in that column well right i'm already i'm already so cool myself that what do i need a cool airplane for you know <laughs> that is true yeah, I, I yeah to, to add a button it up. I think I think I summed up my stance on it. Uh, just circle back around, sport pilot. If you have a reason for doing that, um, that that's all you. Send us an email, whatever. If you want to keep that dialogue going or want more specific information, we can go down that path. I can go down that path with you for sure. I'd be happy to. I love answering these emails. Um, if it wasn't about uh, money, I'd go with a champ. It, Why? Yeah, yeah. Now that I'm in the middle of something, you want to oh, go ahead and offer more into my head. No, I'm, I'm, I want to hear what you have Le- to say. A champ probably going to spend about five grand more for a decent one than a Taylor Craft. Than a Taylor Craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, I don't know that the heat in the winter is nice. You'd there. get that out of the Taylor well, Craft, though, I too. suppose. I guess I don't know. It just seems. They seem nicer. I don't know. I've seen Taylor Crafts. I've seen Champs. I like Champs better, but it was about spending your own money. I would go with the Taylor Craft because trying to save that five grand. But you know, it wasn't. I mean, another thing about the Taylor Craft too is you're really limited in your visibility out the side yeah. windows. It is really tough. I'm a short guy, like I said. Well, like before. you said, and the and the and Champs have more room inside. Right? Way more room. Yeah. Way more room. So if you're going to go ski flying, if that's even on your radar at all. Yeah, if you're going to have car hearts on and stuff in the winter, you're going to want Which you're still yeah. going to in a champ. Yeah. You're, or, or, you know, well, yeah, you're not going to have that. When you're getting in heat. and out. Yeah. No, it won't be that. There's a lot of things you can do that the internet's, the internet's great for that. Um, and you can definitely get more heat. You can tape things up and whatever. But the door, the doors are better. That's one big deficiency of the J3, that clamshell door. There's nothing yeah, you're not sealing that up. for cold air. No, not unless you take that foil tape and tape it up from the inside, which my grandpa used to do when he was going on long flights. That's what he used to do. He used to tape them up from the inside. Yeah, I um, guess. Just but, change the tape every time. Yeah, right. Yeah, just break Yeah, just break it, put it over. But I mean, how often was he going on a long flight? So yeah. not often. In the champ, that is all but, you know, addressed for you. You have a more normal automotive style door. Um less seams, just a lot more, you know, user-friendly and intuitive. 
but that also makes it um, more difficult for the hand prop. So when you start destroying something that I really like, the hand propping capability, the battery's never going to be dead on you. The starter's never going to be junk because it doesn't have either one of those two things. That is something that I like, that I enjoy about the personality of, of a starterless or no electrical system airplane. Um, what was I getting at? But with the with the Champ, you're definitely going to get more heat than the J3. It's not going to be perfect. So if you're ski flying, remember, it's cold outside. You have to get in the airplane. You have to get out of the airplane. So the car hearts need to be basically still on you. If you're going to go for a 100-mile flight, uh, you know, half hour, you're going to get warm enough. You can probably take off that jacket or bring your sleeves down or whatever you want to do. Um, but you'll, in, in, you won't have space to even do that in a Taylor craft, especially if you have somebody in there. You need, if you have two dudes in there, Roger, it just, it, yeah, a lot it of just dudes. doesn't work. A lot of dudes. A lot of dudes. If two dudes, four, one plane. Two dudes, one plane. <laughs> That's right. But you can't even see out the damn, you can't see out the windows. You got to like, I'm small. Like I said, I'm five foot six and I have to, if you need to look, what, how do I want to say it? What would you need to be doing it for? You have to bend forward and turn your head to whichever side of the airplane you're on. You have to bend forward so that your head goes down is lower than your upright position and to look instead of just turning your head on a swivel to look out the window. It's from a collision avoidance standpoint that we've talked about. You're always, that is, it's super critical in that airplane, how you taxi out to the runway. And again, remember you may not have an electrical system, so you don't have a radio, things like that. So now you're compounding some of your issues. Uh, you know, you can have a handheld, you know, light sport, even if it doesn't have an electrical system. So I'm not saying you're, you know, completely in the dark, but with limited communication capability, that is going to be a, that would be a huge consideration for me. The, all the blind spots in a Taylor craft in the weird, you, would you get used to it? hundred percent. We're, I was trying to convince you to hand prop earlier. So why can't I convince you to look out the window a little bit different or raise a wing before you turn or do all these uh, weird, you know, different gyrations so you can clear your area. That is all stuff that you would learn with the airplane. But that is a consideration that I never really liked, but they are slippery. They are fast for what they are. Very fast. Four gallons an hour, 100 miles an hour. It's fast. Fast and cheap. But good heat, though. Good heat. Cheap. Yeah. It's not for um, me. I think any choice out of those three uh, would be good. I would personally go with the electrical system and the convenience of a starter. Uh, but I I understand where Lee's coming from. The uh, Just that classic. And the fact that you just know how to do it like the back of your hand already. It's not like a skill you have to acquire now. So it's, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from, but just get a starter. It's just easier. It fires up. All right. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Some people, you just don't need one more thing to stop you from going out to fly. If you're one of those guys who's, you know, kind of maybe OCD about the safety and it needs the tail needs tied down like the around the tail wheel and then you're chalking the tires and you're doing all these things and you're going to hand prop it from the front. You're going to have somebody sit inside it. That's not you. If you're going to go through all of that just to start it safely, I imagine the frustration and the time frame required to get all those ducks in a row is going to be prohibitive for you. If you're a little bit more of a cavalier cowboy kind of guy and you're going to hand prop it from behind uh, and you're going to whatever, take pride in maybe doing it that way, whatever, 
that's probably going to be, you know, edge you towards that being okay for your situation. But safety, obviously, especially learning, um, get somebody that really knows what they're doing. And obviously the internet is a resource. Make sure they're not giving you wrong information that they're not being too cowboy or cavalier. Like Rob was talking about, uh, or Scott, who you were talking about the Tobago. Tobago. My dad's hand. Oh yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's French his, that's his, crap. that's his move. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's his famous move. He like hand props with, with both arms really quick, but his follow through is like ridiculous. He's like already walking away. Like he knew it was going to start on that one. And I'll see him no matter what. So I've seen him hand, thousand airplanes. I've seen it a bunch. And yeah. And airplanes he's never seen customers that have come in dead battery, whatever. And you, he, he knows when the airplane is going to start, even when it's not his airplane. So he'll hand prop it and he'll swing that prop and swing it and swing it. He'll be five times in. It's not his airplane. He's never seen it before in his life. Maybe in the one time that it does go, when it finally goes, no matter how many times he swung it, he acts, they just follow through and the way he's walking away. He knew it was going to go on that one. Yep. It's, it's the craziest thing. And it looks like it, by the time he's done, it looks like he did it one handed. He does it with both. Does he? By, the, by the time. Yeah. By the okay. time he's done with his, with his form, he has already walked away and he's got like one hand left hang. He does. I can't even, I can't even, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm, I'm not quite picturing it quite right. I mean, I am broadly, um, but it's 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 smooth, and it, it's it's such a smooth one motion thing, and it seems so intuitive the way he does it, like he knows that it's gonna that it's gonna start on that blade, even when it's an airplane. He's tried it. it seemingly, somebody behind the the controls, they're they're priming it and they're doing pumps of throttle. They're doing all these weird things. They don't know when it's gonna start, but somehow my dad, it's their airplane, but somehow my dad does. The way his follow through and the way his form is, it's it's it always blows me away. Yeah, he always just walks away. Like he doesn't even look at his work. Like he just no nonchalant. No, he doesn't give him start. a thumbs up. He's just psh, yep. I'm getting back to work. See you. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's it's borderline. It is so nonchalant, but it's it's a practice form. Obviously, he knows what he's doing, but it like. To any like anybody else, if you saw him go do that at somebody else's airport or something, you'd be like, that dude's an idiot. Like he's gonna <laughs> kill himself. Yeah. I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. but it's like that's that's like another day. And keep in mind there are people, uh, like Lee's dad, who has probably done it tens of thousands of times throughout their life. Yeah. That they make it look easy and they're not using proper form and that's okay. It doesn't mean you can do it like that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred. So keep, keep that in mind as well. Yes. Yeah. I was not saying he's the poster child for form. On no, this. not at all. No, no. I, I was trying to go the con. I was trying to go the contrary, but I guess I didn't really make that point too well. Yes. So I think that wraps this one up. Uh, Ward, if you have uh keep, Keep us posted. We are curious yes. how this turns out. Uh, if you have more questions, um, we'll either we can respond to you via email, or if we think it warrants another episode topic, we can make another episode. Either one doesn't matter. Both are good. And um, yeah, um, cross country flights. 
Ryan Eckel. If you have an Instagram account, it's a friendly reminder to go to your Instagram account. Lee Scott and I do not have Instagram, so we cannot do this. But you go to at Eckel R, at E-C-K-L-E-R, and uh, just send him some direct messages asking him, hey, why did you, you know, you go out to the bar? Too many uh, drinky poos. Couldn't make the uh, the recording. Mm-hmm. We're we're dying for this cross country episode. Some, we need some uh, information. Yeah, just give him some uh, some friendly encouragement some to do that uh, cross country episode. I've for some reason I got it in my head. We're not doing it until he comes back on. So if you want that episode, which I I we've gotten this requested. Uh, more than once for a cross country flight planning episode, and we're gunning to do it. Uh, just like I said, Instagram at Eckler E C K E L R, and um, this is, should be the second to last episode of the year, I think. Um, roughly, this is we're wrapping up 2020. We have to do 50 episodes a year, so uh, 2021. Just when you thought it was screwed up, it's more screwed up. There are. 53 Thursdays this year, so there will be a three-week hiatus um, before we return to your pocket in the form of an updated podcast episode. And if you do want to uh, get your far aim fix during that three-week hiatus, we most likely will be doing live recordings of the shows that will be coming out in 2021. Uh, To have more information on that, go to robertberger.com. Click on the live link. There's an email thing. Sign up. I'm pretty sure I know how it's going to go, though, but just just go do that. And then um, if you're interested, if you're not, um, no worries. There'll just be a three-week delay, and then uh, we'll continue with the first 50 Thursdays in 2021. And what other housekeeping do we need? I think that covers the the three-week break, covers the live component. Email is our preferred method of communication. My email is F-A-R-A-I-M at robertberger.com, B-E-R-G-E-R, the German way, not the sandwich way. Mr. Griffin is F-A-R-A-I-M at leegriffing.com, G-R-I-F-F-I-N-G. And Mr. Boris is F-A-R-A-I-M at scottboris.com, B-O-R-E-S. And um, yeah, thanks for listening again cross-country flight planning episode instagram at echo r e-c-k-e-l-r just hound them with some direct messages uh, say hey what's up why'd you miss the uh the recording um I'm sure ward appreciates it because he got his episode uh one sooner than we were planning on it but uh i know there's a lot interested in uh cross-country flight planning and i just think it'd be funny if echo just gets random messages on instagram from a bunch of people who listen to the show and they're like hey eckle what's going on here so yeah if you could do that that'd be funny uh three of us like i said we can't do it because we're not on instagram but um yeah thanks for listening take care everybody thanks guys See ya. bye j3
by a J3. J3? Something. Yeah, by a J3. Something. By a J3. 